And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 295. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin and a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome along to the show. And we're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. And this week has been a long weekend. Yeah, the long Thanksgiving weekend, four days off in a row, which was really nice. And, uh, you know, a week and a half from now, I'm going to be gone again for a week. So, yeah. Um, and I'd forgotten about that <laughs> when we were talking a little bit uh, a little bit ago about our coverage of Thor Ragnarok. Now, we are going to cover Thor Ragnarok, but I'm afraid that it's going to be after I get back from Florida. I'm going to be going away for for uh, a few days and driving some furniture back to Chicago. Uh, So it's going to be like a road trip, except not fun. And that's kind of what I'm doing um, over the uh, first, actually the second week of of December. So that is uh, is frighteningly close. And I realize now at this point that... uh, the, the, the week that I had actually picked to do our Thor Ragnarok coverage is actually the week I'm going to be gone. So that's probably not going to happen that week. It is going to be the week after that, however. Um, I know it's starting to be like a little bit long time now uh, before we cover it. But I do want to uh, cover Thor Ragnarok. And I want to talk about Justice League as well. Pete and I went to go see Justice League uh, over the Thanksgiving break. And I have a few things to say about that, but I'm going to say them in context, in a a compare and contrast with Thor Ragnarok. Because I think that there are things about the Justice League movie that it has in common with Thor Ragnarok. And some of the things that didn't work for me with Thor Ragnarok also didn't work for me with Justice League. And I find that there's actually kind of more similarities than differences in the two movies. Not in the subject matter, necessarily, but in the way they approach their material. So we're going to talk about that. Now, I want people to get involved in this conversation. Um, so if you want to email us, you can email us at radiofreeasgard at gmail.com to let us know what you thought about uh, Thor Ragnarok. Let us know what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it, what worked for you, what didn't work for you, pet peeves, things you really, really liked. And we are going to have a, uh, a lively discussion, I'm sure, even if it's just me talking about it. I, I, th- I know last time I kind of talked about the dark world all on my lonesome because uh, nobody else uh, really cared to be uh, on the show. But uh, yeah, please feel free to uh, give us your feedback and we would love to have you participate. You know, make your points and we can comment on them. I'm probably going to agree with it. But yeah, you know, <laughs> anyway, uh, we went to go see Justice League, like I said, over the, the break. And uh, so I'm going to be bringing up some points about Justice League 2. And I, I, I'm going to say, just give you a preview of what I'm going to be talking about with Justice League. As I think that there are some people who are being a little bit unnecessarily harsh about it. Uh, it is not the greatest movie in the world, but it is also not 
a piece of trash. So let's uh, let's talk about that. All right. So uh, you can also uh, you can email us over on Facebook if you want to send me private messages on Facebook with your feedback. That's fine too. I, I would just rather have an email because then it's kind of all in one place. So once again, our email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail Okay, so we have an issue of Thor to cover, so let's move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You behold in breathless wonder, the god of thunder, mighty Thor. Indeed, and this week we are looking at the mighty Thor number 200. Now, if we were organized like Marvel, we would have planned this show to be five episodes in the future, except that we're actually more organized than Marvel because this is actually a fill-in issue. It is not part of our Pluto story that started last week, and it has nothing to do with the continuation of the Pluto story that's, that continues next week. It's really, really weird, and I guess we'll talk about that at the end. But uh, we are talking about the Mighty Thor issue number 200. Has a cover date of June of 1972. Cover price is 20 cents. Cover artist by John Buscema, apparently inked by himself, um, which is kind of a disappointment because the cover is kind of sketchy and unsatisfying. But it shows uh, Thor, and he's facing off against Loki on a very Dr. Susian sort of narrow stone bridge, which seems to be falling apart. And looming over them is the uh, the Midgard Serpent, Jormungand, and a very, very weird design that maybe we'll talk about later. Uh, we have a cover blurb. This is a special 200th issue. And the title of the story on the cover, of course, The End of the World. And we open up to the splash where we have a framing sequence. Um, now, it does seem obvious that this was not intended to be necessarily a fill-in issue. Maybe this is the story that they actually planned, but for whatever reason, they couldn't fit it in issue number 200 because the story lasted too long, or you know, maybe there was some other kind of, of complication. But anyway, so we have a framing sequence here, which is uh, very um, conveniently done by the same artistic team that did the story. Uh, of course, that being Jerry Conway with John Buscema on pencils. Um, the uh, story and art of the uh, the main part of the story is actually a story by Stan the Man Lee. Big John Buscema was the artist. John Verporten was the embellisher. And Artie Simak was the letterer. Don't know if... Um, it looks like uh, Buscema may have inked himself on the framing sequence. But it's only like two pages, so yeah, we can forgive that. But in our framing sequence, we have the Norns, who we saw a few issues ago. And the caption says, Night, and beneath a starless sky and a barren moor, countless light years from this world of gods and men, three grim sisters stare blindly into the stillborn depths of the timeless twilight well. Still thinkest thou of the mighty Thor, Clothos? Lo, he has been gone from our land these twelve Asgardian days. Why does he retain thy silent attention? His time is not yet done, sister, and yet, and yet, 
I sense he be most horribly threatened. Let us look, let us see how fares the noble thunder god. Aye, he lies motionless as one dead, and among him the night god men call Pluto. It appears thy concern was well taken, Clothos. Destiny seems twisted on Asgard this day. What means thou, Lasius? My meaning is clear if thou would look more deeply into the well, dear sister. For Thor's true fate lies not under Pluto's deadly axe. Nay, it lies in a much more crucial future, on a day countless days hence. Dear, look, dear sister, look thee into the twilight well. Lysias, uh, whoever this is, I, it's interesting that they gave them sort of Greek names. Uh, she shoots a beam out of her hand into the twilight well, and we have the Sphillin story, <laughs> where um, <laughs> with the story by Stan Lee and John Buscema, uh, with the title of the story, Beware If This Be Ragnarok. Just in time for the movie that opened like a month ago now. All right. Um, and on the splash page here, we have Thor, and he is riding on a white horse over the Rainbow Bridge. We see Balder and the Warriors Three are accompanying him, and they are riding up to Heimdall. And uh, it looks like they're going into Asgard rather than leaving Asgard. And uh, Thor says, Loyal Heimdall, guardian of the Rainbow Bridge, why hath Lord Odin, my regal father, summoned us? I know not the answer, Thunder God. But pass ye all in safety. And the, uh, the, the five of them enter Asgard. Whatever the problem, the flashing blade of Fendril shall soon set it right. Aye, and the mace of Hogan too. Then there be no need for valiant Volstagg. Thou wilt not leave, Rotund One. It'll be too close to mealtime. And uh, Baldur's talking to Thor here. Thou art pale and grim, my prince. Art thou fearful of what this day may bring? I, brave Balder, I sense ill tidings in the wind. Odin would not summon us from the length and breadth of the realm eternal, unless the realm itself be threatened by danger most deadly. As guardians come forth, comes a cry from Odin's throne room, and they are walking across, it looks like grass. And we see Odin, and he's sitting on his throne, and if it is his throne room, it's really strange, because it's actually, um, he's sitting on a big purple throne, and the ground appears to be blue shag carpeting, extremely uh, plush blue shag carpeting at that. I mean, I, I find it hard to believe that Odin's throne would be outdoors in tall grass. So it is kind of weird. It's almost like some weird, bizarre 1960s drug chill out room, uh, except it's Odin's, uh, you know, bachelor pad or whatever. Anyway, so um, Odin's here sitting in his chair. I have awaited thee out here within the royal arbor. Oh, so I guess it is outside, except the grass is blue. For what needs be done can best be done beneath the sheltering sky. But hold, there be one missing still. Bring Loki to the presence. And we see that uh, Thor and everyone else is bowed down to Odin. And the Thor is singing to himself, Loki, my evil half-brother. Woe unto Asgard if he be needed too. And Loki comes up and he's being accompanied by uh, some sort of a guard. And um, he says, Let all stand back. 
Loki doth approach. The son of Odin needs no escort. Where we did bow, my brother merely bends, says Thor. I stand before thee, sire, and await thy pleasure. No be silent, all, says Odin. The time hath come for Vala the prophetess to reveal what the future hath in store, and she shall tell of Ragnarok, Ragnarok, when all the world shall end. And Yavala's there, or Hag, as we sometimes refer to her, and uh, she's stirring a big cauldron because that's what old crones do. Uh, why not be stereotypical if you're going to portray an old crone? Make her stirring a cauldron. And uh, Loki says, Then show us, Hag, and do thy worst. Thy visions cannot frighten Loki. Be that as it may, young prince, but there are those who tremble. And there are uh, guards out here, and the guards are kind of hanging around the edges, and one of them is like, Ragnarok, no, no. And the voice comes out, uh, Let all stand firm, or incur the royal wrath. Of course, it's Odin. Odin hath spoke. Reveal thy visions, Vala. Vapors of time, now rise about me. Let thy mystical mists engulf us all. I command thee by the power of prophecy, which almighty Odin didst bequeath me many ages past. May the future stand revealed. And she's summoning up some kind of an image in her uh, big cauldron o goop, a.k.a. a cosmic voyeur a scope. She's waving her hands over this bubbling uh, pot, but there's an image appearing in, uh, in the pot of Asgard, uh, the city of Asgard. And she says... Now let planets come to view, cold and distant, bleak and doomed, spinning in an endless night. Tis the future I do show, and now behold eternal Asgard. But it be different, it be changed. No longer warm, no longer bright, the deadly cold hath come. Tis the first omen, the first warning, the first hint of that which shall befall. And we see... Um people kind of stumbling through the streets of Asgard dressed in parkas and capes and yeah there's like ice covering over everything and we see people fighting amongst each other the narration goes on then goaded by nameless fear by growing dread friend battles friend brother turns against brother in an endless orgy of savage combat all are driven by the hint of Ragnarok a-coming and in their panic, the survivors turn to Loki. If Odin cannot save us, the Prince of Evil will. And we see Loki is standing up on a like a platform, uh, making a very dramatic gesture with his hand out, very uh, sort of John Buscema-ish pose, but he is not saying anything. Loki interrupts the uh, the prophetess and grabs her by the by the collar and drags her back. As here no more, the Cirrus lies. Tis but a plot to defame the innocent Loki. Nay, nay, the mists cannot lie. Admit thou art a fraud or die, says Loki. And Thor's not having any of that. If any fall this fateful night, I swear it will not be Vala, says Thor. And he rushes forward and he pushes Loki aside. And he says, we will learn the prophecy, evil one. Not all thy threats shall stomach. 
And Odin raises a hand, and we get a, a panel of just Odin's hand, surrounded by Kirby Crackle. Desist! In Odin's name, lift not thy hands one against the other. I beg forgiveness, father, says Thor. Granted, Thunder God. And Loki, what of thee? Thou art father, I am son. Tis enough. So be it, says Odin. And we get a close-up of, uh, of Loki's face. And this is very much ugly Loki, John Buscema's version of Loki, that uh, he's got this kind of wrinkly and baggy-eyed and, yeah, it's kind of nasty-looking Loki. And he's thinking to himself, But father and brother both, mark ye well my words, there shall come a reckoning that doth Loki vow. And we return to the vision of Avala. We can tell that because we have like this pink mist that she's talking and uh, we see Loki uh, standing in, in this uh, scene where the people kind of bowing down to him and that kind of thing. Once again, the mist reveal, Loki will gather him an army and he will lead a last attack against the realm itself. But when the living sea of invading trolls and giants and demons without end reach the fabled Bifrost, there will stand Heimdall, defender of the Rainbow Bridge. And uh, we see Heimdall, and his, his face is not that much nicer than Loki's. It's kind of <laughs> twisted and evil looking. But he's got his sword out, and he's got his helmet with the big old horns on it, like he sometimes does. And Heimdall says, They shall not pass. With mine own blade I sever the bridge forever. And Heimdall takes his sword, and he smashes the Rainbow Bridge, and sends Asgard adrift, I guess. Then as Bifrost crumbles, Heimdall shall sound the last alarm. And he, uh, Heimdall picks up his Gowerhorn, and he blows on the Gowerhorn, and there's all kinds of like weapons and arrows and stuff shooting by him, uh, but he doesn't seem to be um, hit by them. And as Ragnarok draws closer, he will fight his final fight. Now, they, this is not a true to the myths version of Ragnarok because if you remember Heimdall is Loki's arch enemy so the two of them actually do away with each other during uh during Ragnarok but anyway we'll we'll talk much more about this uh during the uh, coverage of uh, Thor Ragnarok the movie um and uh, we have uh Odin um on his throne and the caption says but what of omnipotent Odin? And in between these two panels, uh, Odin has managed to change his clothes twice. So take two drinks. <laughs> anyway, so we have a, uh, a uh, guard coming up to Odin. And he says, Sire, Bevrost and Heimdall are no more. Then the end is truly come, says Odin. Tis the hour the prophecies didst foretell. The time of Ragnarok is nigh. Now let us die as we have lived. For Asgard! And everyone shouting, For Asgard! Yay! And uh, we cut to Thor, and he is standing on what looks like a pillar, or maybe like a little bit of a, um, I don't know what you call that, like a fine buttress or something uh, up against the building. And we get a little bit of the, uh, the narration here. But two sons hath Odin sired, though one hath committed the ultimate treason, the other prepares to fight to the death for liberty, land, and liege. 
and fight he does, as only the god of thunder can. And we see Thor fighting the uh, you know, evil trolls and that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, kind of a very dynamic picture here of what's going on. Without cease, without let, the cataclysmic battle rages as the once halcyon realm becomes a sea of flame. And as the multitudes fall, one merciless heart is happy, one sinister soul doth rejoice. And yeah, things are on fire, people are falling down dead, and we get a close-up here of Loki looking very evil and angry and shouting, Let Asgard topple! Let them who have opposed me now be slain! My power lives while theirs is destroyed. And when it hath ended, Loki will be the master! Loki will be supreme. And we get a full page here of Asgard, the city kind of just crumbling down. Uh, lots of like these archways, sort of Dr. Susian sort of stone walkways are just crumbling, falling down. There's a bunch of uh, soldiers fighting beneath them, so they're probably being crushed by falling rocks. And we have like trolls and giants and dwarves and yeah, this kind of everybody fighting. And lots and lots and lots and lots of fire. Uh, we'll find out the reason, of course, for the fire. We already know it, but you know, we'll, we'll see that in a few pages. Alas, even the crafty Loki hath made one mistake. He hath forgotten one truth. If all is destroyed, none can be supreme. Who can be the king of a graveyard? But not even Loki is to be faulted, for he is just the spark. It is Ragnarok that shall be the inferno. And we have um, uh, Thor and Loki facing off, very much like they are on the cover. And uh, we have, um, they're facing off against each other. And uh, Loki says, what? Thor still lives? Loki shall remedy so grievous an error. Brother, art thou truly mad, says Thor. With the Ragnarok upon us, there be no time for hatred. The hate I bear thee can outlive time itself. Speak not to me of Ragnarok. Tis a tale to frighten fools or cowards. Let others live in fear whilst Loki strikes for plunder. And uh, they're uh, fighting hand to hand. Loki has a sword. Thor, of course, has his hammer. And they're fighting on this bridge and the rocks start to fall. And um, looks like it's going to knock Loki off this uh, bridge thing. And Thor says, Then let thy hate sustain thee now, for nothing else can save thee. And Loki is, um, looks like he's going to fall off the bridge. A deafening roar assails mine ears. The fetid breath of doom now chokes me. The Midgard serpent doth appear. Then the legends did not lie. Here we have the Midgard serpent appearing. This is a weird, weird version of the Midgard serpent. I've always kind of liked it. Uh, because of just how weird it is, but it's basically a big purple snake thing, and it's got these either they're really enormous eyes that, that are kind of like shaped like mushroom caps, or they're um, uh, the or they're actually just like big ears or something, and then there's two smaller uh, openings a little bit further down, which could be eyes. They could also be nostrils, and I kind of choose to read them as nostrils. Weird and twisted version of the Midgard Serpent that I've always kind of liked, like I said. And it's got little arms, too. It's like little little arms that it really can't use for much. Anyway, um, and uh, it says here, um, 
Yes, Loki will know at last, for the Midgard Serpent is the final foe, the ultimate destroyer. Yeah, they don't mention the fact that the Midgard Serpent is Loki's son. And uh, Loki seems to have left. We see uh, Balder and uh, the Warriors Three, and um, Thor is saying, My brother hath fled, but Thor must ever stand his ground. And so stand we, O Prince, says Fandral. Not sword nor mace can save us now, but mayhap enchanted Mjolnir. If thy hammer fail thee, Thunder God, says Fandral, then we shall strike whilst life endures. And the Thor shoots fire out of the, um, the hammer, which hits the uh, Midgard Serpent in the face with a scrazg. And <laughs> Thor says, back to the slime from which thou didst come. That just makes the uh, Midgard Serpent angry, and he starts slamming down and breaking all the rocks and stuff, and uh, sends Thor and the Warriors Three flying. And Thor says, he liveth still. Not even enchanted Mjolnir had power enough. He knocks Thor down, and Thor seems stunned on the ground, but we have um, uh, the Warriors Three here, along with Balder. Whilst lashing out in pain, the serpent's tail didst fell our prince, and now lies Thor there helpless, says Vendril. Look to thy sword, says Balder. He doth strike again. And they're um, stabbing the Midgard serpent with their swords, Balder and Fandral. Uh, Hogan is there with his mace, but he's not quite in range. And uh, they're trying to attack him with a sword, but uh, Jormungand's skin is too tough. And uh, Balder says, "'Tis to no avail. Our blades do shatter against his hide. Enough for his flashing sword and steel. The time has come for Hogan's mace.' And Hogan comes running up, and Balder says, Nay, stand ye back. Behold what doth occur. The serpent turns, and to meet an attack from yet another source. So let us quickly bear the Thunder God to safety. We get a little bit more description here. And it will be Loki who furnishes the distraction whilst seeking to save himself. Again, thou witless oafs, fire again, and again till the serpent falls. None must remain alive to challenge the rule of Loki. But it turns, it sways, in its mad blind rage it comes this way. And Loki seems to be very upset about this. Um, and we have the serpent crashing down next to him with a thoom and breaking the weapons and sending Loki flying. And Loki is just kind of laying there uh, up against the wall. And he says... He hath destroyed my mightiest weapon without even taking note. Thus the serpent lives. Thus Ragnarok hath come, and Loki too is doomed. And Balder and Fandral are here, and Balder says, Thor, praise to Odin thou hast survived. In truth we have great need of thee. The serpent, says Thor. What of the Midgard serpent? Alas, it liveth still, says Fandral. Nay, a thousand times nay. It doth herald the beginning of the end. It must be slain. Ragnarok must not come this day. The realm must live and all within. And Thor takes off after the Midgard serpent and lands on it. And uh, he's whirling his hammer around and smashing its head. And um, just basically just beating up on the uh, Midgard serpent with the hammer. And we just have him banging it over and over and over again. Uh, the shockwaves are coming out and it's uh, creating all kinds of destruction and knocking down all these stone walls and things that are still here. And uh, the hammer is going batoom and thoom. 
And um, he, he, Thor does not look good in these <laughs> pictures here. Uh, he's, he's striking again and again. And the caption says, But though he shall fight as no man hath ever fought before, when the serpent finally falls, the realmy tire shall be rent asunder, and all will know the end hath come. And it uh, looks like everybody is dead and laying around, a bunch of corpses, dead horses, uh, destroyed buildings and statues and that kind of thing. And we get more um, uh, the narration here. Nothing shall remain but silence, silence and the grim lifeless litter, the eternal desolation that give mute evidence of an age, a glory that hath forever faded from the memory of men. And so the stage shall be set at last, set for the coming of Surtur, the merciless god of fire. Surtur, who lives to kill, who lives for death. Surtur, who hath awaited this moment since the very dawning of time. Surtur, whose golden touch can sear a world and leave a charred and ashen and we see Surtur, and he's rising up from the ground, and of course he's on fire, and everything he touches is on fire, and he's big, and he's red, he's got big horns. Uh, doesn't look like a lot like he does in the movie, but he is big, and he sets fire to all of Asgard, and we see him destroying everything in fire, and everything is just completely burned up. This do the mist reveal... This do the prophecies foretell, and then at last naught shall remain of the golden realm save a fiery flaming ember, a smoldering celestial cinder in the fabric of eternity. But time rolls on without beginning and with no end. The centuries shall turn to ages, the ages to eons as the world shall cool, and a new land shall rise from beneath the restless seas. And as it ever was, and as it ever must be, new life shall come aborn, and the gods shall rise again. And we have Tarzan and Jane here wandering amongst uh, a jungle of, it looks like a date palm and some ivy and grapes and uh, just basically plants and vines and trees and stuff. And then we see a futuristic city and like uh, Asgardian type people there walking around. Then shall Asgard flourish once more with the dawn of a new golden age. For such is the destiny of God and man alike. And such is the lesson supreme. All that live must surely die. But all that die shall live. And we are back in the quote-unquote present. Uh, Vala has ended her prophecy, and Odin is here sitting on his throne. And he says, The prophecy is ended. We have much to think upon. A saga of death hath been revealed, and a hope of new rebirth. Loki is there, and he's like, Why lookest thou at me that way? Can Loki be blamed for what hath not yet occurred? Twas but the hollow cackling of a worthless hag. Father, thy son is blameless. True it is, thou art my son, but blameless thou shalt never be. Yet tis of little moment now, for Ragnarok is not thy doing. If he be blameless, says Thor, then who? 
Odin hath ordained it, says Odin. Not Asgard alone, but all the world hath need of fiery cleansing. A time must come when all shall fall, but only some will rise again. Only those deemed worthy. Let all who live now think upon it. Each man must face his Ragnarok, and in his soul each man doth know if he will be found wanting. And we get a close-up of Loki looking very uh, forlorn, like he he's bowing his head in shame because he knows that he would be not worthy. And we then um, end the story and go back to our framing sequence here. One page here of the uh, the three sisters, and they're still around their uh, their pool and they're watching what's going on on Earth, which of course is the fight against Thor and Pluto. And so they're talking amongst themselves. So, that is the way of the future, then? Aye, Clothos. Thor must not die this day, or the web of destiny will be permanently warped. But what may we do, Sister Lasius? We are light years away from this scene. Nay, thou speakest too quickly, Sister. We have the power to intervene, and if we must, then we will. And a, uh, one of the, the fates shoots a, a, a beam out of her hand and it goes through the well and it goes through the other side of the well and it strikes the axe of Pluto and just smashes it to bits. The Lysias says, Clothos, that bolt of cosmic energy from thy hand, it shatters Pluto's midnight axe. Uh, so they, they like to speak the obvious as well. Aye, that it does, sister. And thus Thor's potent destiny is returned to him, returned by the only ones who can and who dare. We, the three cold Norns, we, the fates. And without another word, they pass away and return to their place in the timeless mist. Next issue, once more, an ending. And that is Thor number 200. And we will be talking all about this issue right after this message. Welcome to the world of tomorrow! <laughs> the Legion of Superheroes through the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, the Baxter series, five years later, the reboot, the three-boot, the retro-boot, the animated series. We have banded together as the Legion of Super Bloggers to cover it all. Seek us out at legionofsuperbloggers.blogspot.com. Why do you always have to say it that way? Haven't you ever heard of a little thing called showmanship? And we're back. And of course, we have a few things to say about the issue, as we always do. Um, Story-wise, this is obviously, it's a fill-in issue. And it's very odd that they would actually have to run a fill-in issue for an anniversary. Thor number 200 should be kind of a big deal. And I would say that this story, while it is a step above, is still not a worthy substitution for a 200th anniversary. The artwork on the, on the most part is pretty good. Um, obviously, this was a story, even if it's an inventory story, where Busema actually had a little bit more time. It doesn't look rushed. We have some nice composition here. We even have some nice shots here of, of people 
just kind of in general. We've got some good cowering by Loki when he's cowering up against the wall. It, it's very realistic. That they, they obviously had to spend some time with that composition. It looks nice. We've got some facial expressions here that are more detailed than what we've had recently. Um, John Verporten on inks, uh, it's, it's interesting. I don't really know. I mean, I know a little bit about who John Verporten was. He was Marvel's production manager. The fact that he had to step in and do the inking on this tells me that this was indeed a, a fill-in, and it was something that he probably had some time to work on. So that, I think that's why the issue looks as good as it does. At the same time, it's not Buscema's strongest work. It does look like, like Buscema was rushed. Maybe that's because he was drawing Conan and also whatever else. You know, so it, it just could be you know, Buscema being busy. Um, but you know, it's probably better than the second part of the Pluto story, to be honest. So I guess we'll find out next time. But um, yeah, so that's kind of what's going on. Uh, this is probably Stanley's last story on the book. Um, it's again, there's some very obvious Stan Lee-isms in this story that you know, kind of point to, to the, the rabid Kirby fans and say, you know, look, you know, Busoma didn't write this, you know, this is actually Lee, you know, he, he does have a kind of a gift for dialogue and, and a, he has a pretty good grasp of portraying a character via the dialogue. You know, he's, he's not a useless writer as, as many Kirby fans try to paint him. Um, then again, he's not the greatest writer. You know, he's, he's definitely not a, a superior writer. Um, we do have some uh, really nice stuff here, but by and large, it is still a fill-in issue, and it feels like a fill-in issue, which maybe is the worst part of it. I would say that this story takes as much liberty with the Ragnarok myth as Thor Ragnarok does, and that's saying a lot. There's a lot here that is not uh, portrayed accurately according to Norse myth or according to what had previously been established in the Marvel Universe. So there, th there is that. Now, you could argue that because Ragnarok is in the future, you know, the future is always changing. It may happen this way. It may happen that way. But we're also not getting a lot of the key elements of Ragnarok. We're not getting the death of Baldur. We're not getting, you know, a lot of things that... Um, you know, trigger Ragnarok. We're not getting Heimdall versus Loki to the death. We're not getting Thor, you know, being killed by the uh, the Midgard serpent. We're not having Odin being chewed up by Fenrir. You know, th th these are things that are not happening in this story and didn't happen either in Thor Ragnarok. So I think you can see where I'm going with this. Marvel has always played fast and loose with the Ragnarok myth. It's consistent that they do so. And this will probably come up in our coverage of the movie in a few weeks. But anyway, uh, yeah, so overall, it's a, it's a fair story. Fill in uh, some decent art here and there, uh, but, but nothing to write home about. But it's probably better than the story they have work, that they're working on, that Jerry Conway is writing. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's time to wrap up this issue. Thanks very much, uh, folks, for listening. We really do appreciate it. And if you want to email the show, give us your thoughts about Thor Ragnarok or anything else, you can uh, email us at radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. With that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. 
Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>